The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. You are listening to Crosscheck Substance Abuse Radio, hosted by two-time Stanley Cup winner and hockey legend Kevin Stevens. Through hard-hitting discussion, personal testimonies, and cutting-edge resources to help battle the disease, Crosscheck is dedicated to ending the stigma and shame behind addiction and bringing forth the hope and support for those suffering from addiction to power forward and overcome it. Let's join Kevin Stevens and his team now on Crosscheck Substance Abuse Radio. Welcome. Hi, this is Kevin Stevens of Crosscheck Radio. We have some great guests today. We should have a great show. It's all about hope, and it's all about trying to find a, the right direction, the right path. So we got some great guests today, and Andy's here to take it away. Thanks, Kevin. First, let's welcome our other co-host in the booth here is Willie Drinkwater. How Hi. are you, sir? I'm well. How about yourself? Wonderful, wonderful. And uh, let's get started. Our first guest is Ken N. He is a recovering addict and personal trainer locally, and he offers personalized fitness programs. Ken's first experience with opioids stemmed from an injury playing baseball. He also tore his rotator cuff and broke his humerus bone and scapula. And because of the pill bottle warned against taking while drinking, he uh, struggled with an opioid problem and addiction. And five years ago, he lost his little brother, which overdosed on Oxycontin. And he always wanted to find a way to combine fitness with recovery. So he is uh, here today to tell us his story and how he got started with the Boston Bulldogs and the work he's doing now. Welcome. Good morning, everyone. How are you? Good. How are you, Ken? So you have an interesting story. Love to hear more about it. Tell us kind of your world and what you're doing now. Sure. I first tried to get get sober back in the 80s, kind of like the old school uh, therapeutic community, and fitness really wasn't something that was um, very popular. It was kind of thought of you'd be substituting one thing for the other. You know, most guys would go to the gym, they do mirror muscles, take some steroids, you know, and look good for the beach. And they tend to isolate in the gym and not go to meetings and things like that. And so what I was told the first time around was, you know, to shut up, you know, keep my mouth shut, listen, drink coffee, smoke cigarettes and things like that. And along my journey, I've been able to read a couple of different books from like the John Lucas story of how he started a program down in Houston to help NBA players get back. You know, they were battling substance abuse and they needed to come back to work. And what we see today is that it's, it's very popular. But, you know, I always knew it even at a, a young age that I wanted to find a way to combine fitness with recovery, but appropriately, not a substitute, like not just say I'm going to go to the gym and not go to meetings, but as an addition to, you know, the 12-step program that, I, that I'm involved with today, you know. Yeah, so, Anjo, and how did you get a, you had an injury, you know, in the 80s you said you, you had a shoulder injury, and then you, the, the, when you got, you got sober for a little bit, you mm-hmm. know, by yourself, whatever, then uh, how did you get back onto the opiates this time? So when I, this initially happened, so I was misdiagnosed for 10 years with my shoulder. I was told mm-hmm. I just had bursitis. And then fortunately, uh, Preston Clark took a look at it, and he determined that I needed some surgery, and we did that. And I was prescribed pain pills, and I, had a, you know, I became addicted to them. And then I stopped for a number of years. And then this time around, I was hit by a car on my bicycle. Mm. And I was in physical therapy w- for my knee, and I was you know, dealing with the pain. And the doctor said, what's the pain like on a scale of 1 to 10? And I said, 7. He said, well, I'm going to prescribe you know, uh, Vicodin or something mm-hmm. like that. And that kind of just, you know, started the whole thing 
all yeah, up that's you know that's pretty much uh, pretty much all it takes if you have like the disease I have. You know, if mm -hmm. uh, you know once you get uh, once you get started on them, it's awful tough to stop. And uh, it's great that you did that. And I think I think the best thing that you know I, I remember when I was kind of getting sober, and, and this time around, it's kind of people talk to there really is a 13 step in our program it should be like exercise you know and i think you know our 12 step program is great and i think it's true i think it's so important to get out there and, and do things and actually exercise and like you said the first thing we have to do is get so we have to go to meetings we have to do the things that that we're going to have to stay with sobriety but i think exercise is a huge part of it for a lot of people yeah this there's some interesting statistics. So a couple of organizations that I belong to, the Boston Bulldogs Running Club, Back on My Feet Running Club, and then the Phoenix, um, which is, used to be the Phoenix Multisport, mm -hmm. but they changed the brand. They've done some research on people that are joining their clubs that are staying sober, like within the first six months, the first 12 months, the first 18 months, where traditional treatment modality would be to, you know, say go to detox, yeah. go to a hold, and go to a halfway house that there's a significant drop in those people that are just doing the traditional methods yeah. versus the people that are you know, combining the traditional method but also with an addition to these fitness programs, yeah. you know, these community-based fitness programs. And I, I think it's important, like, like the Bulldogs type of program. And the thing is, you, you're coming together. It's kind of like you're coming together with all the other addicts, Absolutely. you know, and you're, yeah. and you're coming together with people that have the same problems you are. Sure. And we're all trying to get sober yeah. the same way, you know. And it's, it's kind of like a meeting because you're out there working out Absolutely. with guys, working out with guys that are sure. trying to do the same yeah. thing we're doing. I think right. it's very important that, and it brings that structure together, and it brings, you know, it brings it puts a smile on a lot of faces when people can work together. Yeah, what I noticed with a lot of people that are in the therapy section, let's just say, a lot of those folks, in my experience, are clinically overweight mm -hmm. and they're struggling. They're struggling with either smoking cigarettes, scratch tickets, or eating. Mm -hmm. And if we think about substance abuse and, and the things that those do, the neurotransmitters stimulate, right? Yeah. right there, Willie? Yeah, yeah, exactly. You can speak better to this, but the rush that you get from scratching a ticket mm -hmm. is the same rush that you get from a substance. Mm -hmm. yeah. The rush that you get from, like, you know, Tinder or. Um, uh, overeating, things like that. They, they mimic that. But a fitness program, so that, you, know, you can become addicted to a fitness program. That's not what I'm suggesting. Yeah, yeah. What no, I'm right, saying is that right. there's, a, there's a balance between these programs and people are working together. One of the biggest things that's, that's really helped me this time around is I was always afraid that people were going to find out that I was an addict. Mm. So I worked for one of the biggest fitness clubs in the city of Boston. And my fear every day when I went to work was someone was going to come through the door and say, why'd you hire him? Mm. You know, he, he goes to those meetings or he does this or right. he does that. And meeting with a, a group of professionals and blue-collar workers and just a whole variety, you know, these, these organizations uh, transcend all demographics. Mm. So I, have, I, I work out with people from all walks of life. They experience the same thing. And so we encourage each other yeah. to work through those fears and also to stay sober and, and we go to meetings and we do other things, you know. Yeah, with the smoking bit, bit also, I mean, I mean, Harvard research has shown that if you quit smoking the same time as your drug of choice, you stand a much better chance of not going back on yep. your drug of choice because nicotine is keeping those same receptor sites active that your drug of choice would. And, and the other piece, too, when I get a client, a new client that, that's come out of the detox, one, one of the first things, that, one of the first suggestions I always make Go to your primary care, have a complete physical done with blood work so you have a baseline to go, f uh, to, to go from, also to determine if you're, if you're okay to start sure, exercise. Absolutely. And then the other thing is while you're there, ask the primary care for referral to a nutritionist. Yes. 
too. You know? Yeah, it's all that's important. Like all, all that stuff. I, mean, I think, I think the biggest thing about all the whole thing, I guess, is when we're trying to get so we want to, we want to start to feel better about ourselves, right? So it's like you know, it, it, we beat ourselves up so much when we're out there. You know, we're not good enough. We're doing this. We, you know, no sense getting sober. So I think the biggest thing about exercise and about a, a routine every day is it's a routine, basically sure. too, a schedule, right? You get yeah. on a routine, you go to the gym, you know, you go to your meetings, you do what you have to do to stay sober. But it's important to kind of get that self confidence back because we lose a lot of confidence sure. yeah. when we're out there, you know. Yeah. I, I think another component too, and you can attest, you can attest to this, Kevin. I'm sure is how you felt when you were a part of a team, like when yeah. you were part of the Pittsburgh Penguins, yeah. and when you were playing professional hockey and, and collegiate hockey and high school yeah. hockey. There's a team. I'm a member of the Boston Bulldogs. Bulldogs. Yeah. I wear the show with yeah. pride. Other Bulldogs yeah. will see me. We hit each other on Facebook. Like there's a half marathon Sunday that yeah. a bunch of Bulldogs are going to. A bunch of Bulldogs just came back from Chicago and New York and Rhode Island to qualify for Boston. Yeah. You know, it, and and the same thing with back on my feet. That we got a half marathon at the end of the month, the Bay State, and. You know, the, you're training for something. You're part of a team. You're encouraging Absolutely, yeah. and, and it's it's good, positive stuff. It's like, no matter what happens on Thursday night, Friday morning, 5:45, I'm at Park Street to meet with my back and my feet guys. You know, 10 a.m. I'm at the Res in Brookline mm -hmm. to meet with you know my Bulldogs. Yeah. With the coach. Yeah, exactly. With Mike Frullo. it's awesome. Yeah. You know. Real quick, just yeah. can I just put a plug in? Friday night at the Phoenix is um, Barbells for Boobs. So October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. So the company that I work for, we're actively promoting that. Every member that loses, for every pound our members lose, we're going to donate a dollar to the Dana-Farber Cancer Institute. Right. And we have dozens of members that are going to match. But Friday night, open challenge to any of my fitness enthusiasts that are listening is Barbells for Boobs, 54 Newmarket Square. We're going to be doing grace. And the grace workout is clean and jerk, 135 pounds, 30 reps for time. So if Kevin, anybody's out there that's that? really strong. I can do that, yeah. You know? yeah. That's, that's but, good. That's you great. Know, and we'll take every, every participant, it's a $25 donation to Barbells for Boobs you know, to help awesome. end, end breast cancer. I lost my mom to cancer. And so it's uh, also an organization that's very near to me. Yeah, awesome. Mm -hmm. Good near stuff. It is awesome. All right, so here's a question. Um, I was reading your bio, mm -hmm. and you said that you felt like there was something missing with yes. you in your life. always. And that if you were more popular, athletic, smarter, had the right girlfriend, school, and career, then you would be okay. Can sure. you expand on that? Absolutely. One of the things when I started looking at different alternatives or, or I think early on I wanted to find a way to otherwise other than going to a meeting other than saying hey I am an alcoholic or I'm an addict you know I wanted to find a way to like recover and then move on and, and I couldn't and it's just not going to happen these are the things that I need to do on a regular basis it always is going to be what it always is going to be and what's happening right now is a couple of the podcasts that I've seen from from people from these organizations that have encouraged me is that they felt the same way and they've been sober for 20 years. Mm -hmm. And they belong to these organizations. So they have like little tribes, you know, like, and, and I've started to experience that, where I've gone to these events on a consistent basis for the last six months. Yeah. And it's like, when you almost said Ken, I was like, you can use my last name, I don't care. Yeah. You know, that would be something that I never would have wanted to do. Like, I, yeah. You know, yeah, that's important. I'm not ashamed yeah. of it yeah, anymore. Yeah, it's not, you know, we, we have a disease and we work yeah. in a day and, you should be proud of yourself to have six months. You know that's that's great stuff. I and uh, I think I think it's um, like you said, it, it's important to feel part of something. Like you know, we when you when you talk about sobriety, you talk about trying to stay. There's no way we can do this thing alone. You know, that's the thing that we all we all have to remember is 
as an addict as as, as we're in sobriety in, in this in this uh, battle. There's no way we can do it alone. And by joining all these groups and being part of something and being part of a team, you're around all these addicts and, the, and you're getting the, what you need. You know, we're not hanging around people sure. that can hurt us. You know, we're people. hanging around yeah, people, uh, exactly. positive people that are trying to do the same thing sure. we're trying to do. And I think that's very important. Something early on that I really had a difficult time um, relating to was the guy that spoke and said he had 20 years sober or 10 years sober. So I'm sitting in a room with six months sober, six weeks sober, and I can't even imagine having a year sober. Mm. I joined the, this running club, and they said, the first thing you need to do is do a, three, a 5K, a three-mile run, and we're going to give you six weeks to train for that. Mm -hmm. And that was something that mm -hmm. I could do within six weeks, yeah. and I did that. And then they do a, a, five, you know, a 10K, and then a half marathon and then a marathon. And Were you a runner before? Yeah, and, but I, I injured myself, so I can't run anymore. I cycle. I cycle about 100 miles a week back and forth. I commute on my bicycle mm. from Dorchester to West Roxbury. And what I do is I walk now. But, you know, it's just an example of how, I, like I said, I couldn't imagine having 10 or 20 years sober. And, I, and you can't imagine. You have to have that experience. Mm. But to say, hey, we have a goal to maybe start working the first three steps and the next three steps and things like that in, say, a six-week period, or we have a goal to run three miles or to lift X amount of weight, things like that. Yeah, That's something tangible that I can It doesn't have to be around. an all or nothing. Exactly. It's marathon or nothing. Yeah. You work your way up. Exactly. So. Like, I can't imagine running the Boston Marathon. I'm not going to. That's not yeah. my goal. But I can definitely walk, you know, five miles Saturday morning or three miles on Saturday morning. You know, mm -hmm. I've done that. I've got that experience, and mm -hmm. I can enjoy myself while I'm doing it. Here's a question for you. you um, one of the things that you, you talked about is diet. Mm -hmm. I call it nutrition. I don't like to use the diet word. I, I, I just as soon drop the F-bomb. Yeah, with, 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 the with, diet. With, with diet should be a way of eating yeah. for life, not yeah. a quick fix. A nutrition fix. plan, yeah. Is, yeah. A nutrition nutrition plan, plan. Is, is, is what I talk about. And it's important to have the proper type of food evenly spaced throughout the course of the day mm. to avoid getting hungry because not having food, my sugar drops, and I become yeah. hangry. That's my own personal experience. I know other people that have that similar, especially when you stop It's a big foods. one in mental health, too. Yeah. You, you want to keep the glucose in your, yeah. in your brain even throughout the day. Constantly so some thinking people... homeostasis. Yeah. And yeah, when I get exactly. too hungry too fast, yeah. my sugar drops, yeah. I become agitated, I, you know, stress things like that. If I maintain my, my nutrition plan throughout the course of the day, I'm much more relaxed. Like right now, coming in here, I was really super, super nervous, yeah. but I'm actually feeling okay right yeah. now. Yeah, that's great. And I, I think you're right. Ken, I think it's so important to eat. You know, when we're out there using drugs and we're out there on, on the run, we're not eating right. You know, we're eating sporadically. When I worked I the detoxes, it was like, it was incredible that yeah. the, the kitchen was going crazy yeah. because yeah. of the amount of food. All of a sudden, yeah. folks are like, Hmm, you know what? I'm really hungry because yeah. I haven't eaten right sure. for six and months. It's so important to eat, like like you said, three meals. Eat a balance, three meals in. When you eat right, you feel so much better. Absolutely. When you eat like crap, yeah. you feel like crap. And it's kind of like the whole thing, your whole mindset and your brain. You know, when you're eating right food and you get up in the morning, you've got energy. Mm -hmm. You go out and you eat three pizzas the night sure. before, you don't have energy. Yeah, you're you wake sluggish up and you, in the morning. Yeah, you yeah. can't move I, your legs. Yeah. I promote three <laughs> meals with two snacks <laughs> yeah. in between. Sure, so even, it's like a five-meal yeah. ideal almost. Even the right? old-timers would say that they would carry sweets, they would carry some sugar, you know, yeah. they, they would carry some chocolate, things like that, for, for the new guy that was coming yeah. to shake, rattle, and rolling for yeah. the cravings, yeah. exactly. Because alcohol is a sugar, too. Yeah. So. You brought us some food here mm -hmm. today that uh, you thought would be a good thing to talk about sure. on the show. Give us some examples of the type of food that you brought 
and why did you choose to bring that? So the product I brought, interestingly enough, you know, six months ago I was, I was working for a friend who has a contracting company, and I was actually making more money doing that than I'm actually making now, but I wasn't back in my field. Mm -hmm. And because of my hours, I'm in a house, I had to, you know, I couldn't take the peak hours that most corporate gyms want you to work. And a gentleman reached out to me and said, hey, I pulled your resume off of Indeed. I'd like to have a conversation with you. This is what we do. It's been a big paradigm shift for me because I'm working with typically um, clinically obese middle-aged men and women that don't have a fitness background, mm -hmm. when before I would always work with yeah. pretty much elite athletes. And so one of the big components is this low-sugar, high-protein, high-micronutrient product that was uh, specifically made for this gentleman, um, our owner, Rick Langella. He actually designed this product with the help of a couple of, with the Harvard Medical School, and he his A A1T scores were 7.2 before he started the program. That's your sugar down, level. Yeah, and right. it went down to 5.5, and he avoided having to take insulin. He was you know 220 230 pounds. He's been like 180 for the past seven years, and he's maintained that. And so what he did was he introduced this product into a gym. So he was always a gym owner, and he started to put it into his clubs. And what we've seen is just at my location alone, we have six, six people that have lost 100 pounds in two years and wow. kept it off. Yeah. And I started using the product, and I've lost 15 pounds over the last three months. So as you can imagine, when I get hit on my bike, I, I was out of work yeah. for a year. I relapsed. You know, I was a mess. And then I went to detox, and all I did was eat. Mm -hmm. Yeah, eat and watch television and things like that. So I carry the bars around with me. I carry the shakes. They're convenient. They're easy. They're healthy. And I've been getting some good results with them. So if people want to find those, is there you a way? You can go online. Yeah. It, Fitworks.com. Fitworks and uh, you it's can. It's with an X. Yeah. It's F-I-T-W-R-X, like a prescription. And you can go online to our website. You can hit us up on Facebook. And we'll package it up. We'll ship it anywhere in the world. Yeah, I, I think it's so important that, um, you know, you can go to the gym. You can do all these things. And if you don't eat right, if yeah. you don't put the right things in your body, sure. all that gym's great. You're going to feel better by yourself. Mm -hmm. But you're not going to get that energy. You're not going to start to feel like, you know, if you want to lose weight. You know, we all, we all put on weight when we're using out yep. there, chasing around. But I think it's really important to eat the right things. And if you're going to the gym, kind of counterproductive you're going out eating five yeah, you want to have a clean fuel absolutely yeah. well, the old timers used to always say you are what you eat yeah, yeah. you, you yeah. think of food as fuel yeah yeah and it you is. know i want to put in good fuel into my body and when you think of burning calories a calorie is a degree of temperature right, right. so i want to have something in my system to burn as opposed to there's nothing then i'm in a catabolic state yeah, and right. i'm burning muscle yeah. and storing fat yeah sure, i've right. never had anybody sit across from me in a fitness lab and say that's what they wanted to do yeah right. like, you know, <laughs> like you know it's not it's not, you know, starving yourself doesn't make sure. you feel better. You know, yeah. you, gotta, you can eat and feel yeah. great and eat the right yeah. stuff. Well, if you starve Absolutely. yourself, your body starts storing yeah. fat. Yeah. And I think it's good to also have a cheat day. So, like, Sundays is football day for me, and I have a cheat day. I go hang out with my friends, and mm -hmm. I don't really concern myself about yeah. what I'm going to have. Yeah, if you have that one day a week. Yeah. But, but the other six, you're, clean, yeah. you're eating clean and you're yeah. working out. Typically, what I, what I encounter is people that go out three or four nights a week. They overeat, mm -hmm. and they drink, and... You know, they become clinically obese. They become borderline or type 2 diabetic. Mm -hmm. That's what my mother suffered with. I lost my mother at a very, very early age. And I decided that I was passionate about fitness. I could make more money selling Lexuses and condos. Yeah. But I'm not passionate about it. I'm passionate about watching someone like, you know, one of our members the other night, you know, uh, Megan Fender did 22 push-ups in a fitness test, mm -hmm. you know, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Can you, you know? give your website one more time? 
www.fitworks.com. Great. Well, thank you, Ken Newman, for coming on today. It's my yeah. pleasure. Thanks yeah, for having thanks, me, guys. Yeah, appreciate thanks, it. We'll be back on CrossCheck. You're listening to CrossCheck Radio with your host, Kevin Stevens. We'll be right back after these messages. My name is Richard Morse, founder and chairman of Boston Financial Management. For more than 40 years, we have been dedicated to the creation and preservation of wealth for our clients. We strive to develop and implement individual investment programs to address the specific needs of each and every client. BFM is pleased to support Crosscheck Radio's mission of providing education and awareness about the drug addiction crisis currently facing this nation. We believe this program will increase awareness and begin to move the nation towards a better understanding of the crisis and ultimately to a solution. Boston Financial Management is proud to take an active role in promoting Power Forward, aired by Crosscheck Radio, and believe all communities and individuals will benefit with a greater knowledge about the current opioid crisis. For more information about Boston Financial Management, please visit our website at bfminvest.com. Clean Slate Centers is an outpatient clinic with a strong commitment to expanding access to medication-assisted treatment to help fight the opioid epidemic. Our primary mission is to help the underserved population reclaim their lives from substance abuse disorder. Clean Slate has 44 centers in eight states, and we pride ourselves on providing compassionate and effective physician-led treatment across all of our locations. We provide evidence-based care using the current guidelines established by the American Society of Addiction Medicine. Clean Slate's knowledgeable and caring team focuses on treating each patient as an individual while placing an emphasis on personal accountability. This is an effective method and will help those in need manage their addiction. The combination of individualized medical, behavioral health, and case management services has been shown to be the most effective treatment for people experiencing substance abuse disorder. For more information or to schedule an intake, please call 413-341-1780. That's 413-341-1780 or visit www.cleanslatecenters.com. We are also a proud supporter of Crosscheck Substance Abuse Radio. At Tracy, come in and see the difference for yourself. They have the largest selection. I found my dream car here. The choices are endless. There is no pressure. No pressure. No pressure. We'll help you make the best decision. We've bought 30 vans here. I love my new car. They put the fun back into buying a car. I wouldn't go anywhere else. Everybody wants a good deal. It's one of the reasons I keep coming back. Experience the rock-solid difference. Tracy Chevrolet Cadillac, exit 6 off Route 3, Plymouth, Mass. Hi, this is actor Kevin Chapman. You're listening to Kevin Stevens' Crosscheck Radio. Welcome back to Crosscheck Radio. I'm Andy Bernstein with your host, Kevin Stevens and Willie Drinkwater. Kev, who do we have here today in the studio? I got my buddy, Ronnie Hayes. He's uh, an old friend. Me and Ronnie hung out like for a long We've known each other a long time. You know, we were out there together for a while. We lived together for a while. We're out there now. Uh, Ronnie's doing the right thing. He's, he's been sober for, what are you, coming up on four years or a little over four uh, years? Yeah, I get uh, almost five. Uh, January, it'll be five. Five so years, yeah. Years, so. anyway. Yeah, five years. He's got, um, and he does it the right way. You know, he's he's been through the war. He's been through the mill. We've all, you know, we've all been through a little bit uh, to get to get to where we got. So, why don't you, Ron? Why don't you tell us a little bit about um, 
how you got here, what you, uh, you know, a little about your experience and then, you know, where you are now. Well, um, it's been my experience that uh, um, back in, oh, I don't know, late 70s and the 80s, um, you know, I, it was just drinking and mostly cocaine. Yeah. Um, you know, that, that, was, uh, that was my big thing. Everybody was doing it back then. And, um, you know, I, uh, I enjoyed the, the, the cocaine, and uh, I ran with that for a long time. And, you know, I, uh, I ended up getting prescribed uh, Percocets uh, for uh, my back, back injury that I had. And I didn't really like it at the time. Uh, so I kind of put those aside, and I stayed with the cocaine and the drinking. And, and um, after, uh, after a while, I, uh, I got introduced to, uh, to crack cocaine. Um, and that really uh, set me on a spiral, you know. It just, uh, it, uh, it was something I couldn't stop doing, you know. It was, people would say to me, uh, you know, I think it's time for you to do something. Uh, you know, you shouldn't be drinking or you shouldn't be uh, doing drugs or whatever. And, my, you know, at the time, I always thought that, uh, you know, I'll quit when I'm ready, you know what I mean? And when I want to quit, or when I need to quit, I didn't think it would ever be a need. To be honest with you, I just thought it would be a want. You know, I would, I would quit. And uh, well, when that time did come, because uh, the crack cocaine really took me for a ride, and um, you know, I had a business and I was losing that. I was losing my my second uh, my second wife at the time and my kids. And you know, I remember people saying to me, you know, I I, I remember hearing people say, uh, you know, I I. Um, I lost my, I got thrown out of my own house. I couldn't see my own kids. I had a restraining order against me. Mm -hmm. um, and, and saying all these yeah. things to me, uh, that, that their experience, and I remember thinking to myself, wow, how do you ever get to that place? Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's, it's amazing, like, um, what we have to go through and what we have to lose till we finally take a step back because when, when we're in that addiction, we're in that, that mindset mm. we don't see all this all this stuff's okay with us you know, it's, you know yeah <laughs> we kind of accept it you know like well, you know this isn't too bad until mm. we step out of it you know and like when you stepped out of it you know you realize you know something has to be done you know yeah i mean uh you know when it, when i finally realized that you know what i just got thrown out of my own house mm. yeah. <laughs> i've got a restraining order against me i can't see my own kids yeah. um you know uh, thing, things like that. Uh, when those things started to, to, to happen to me, I, I said, wow, you know, these things are coming true, you know, for me. How did I get here? Okay, maybe I do have a problem. Maybe it's something I need to, to stop doing. I, it, well, at that point, it was too late. I couldn't stop. I couldn't yeah. stop on my own. Yeah. You know, I, I could do anything on my own. I've yeah. done it, you know, everything I wanted to do, yeah. you know, um, I, I always did it on my own, you know, was yeah. something, that, you know, yeah. but, but this was not something I could do on my own. Yeah, and I think that's a huge point you make because, you know, a lot of people think they can do it alone. I made the NHL, I was the first team all-star because I worked hard and I did it my way and I did, you right. know, I, I meet, you did what you right. did, you know, where you got where you got and you made it your way, you know, Andy, what we all do, right. but when you're in addiction, if you don't, if you don't ask for help and you don't have people help you, and you try to do it alone, is you know you're going to be sitting here again in, in, in the same spot we're always in. But right. you know, and you and you had the roller coaster ride, Ronald. Of, you know, great successful business, addiction, ten dollars right. in your pocket. You know, right? You know, 
Talk a little bit about the roller coaster rides, the ups and downs, you know. Oh, jeez. Um, <clears throat> you know, um, I would I, – my, my thought was, you know, work hard, play hard. Okay? Yeah. That, that, that was yeah. the way I was brought up. Um, I went out there, and, and I worked for everything I had. No, nobody gave me anything, um, and, and, and I was very successful, you, you know, and I, I had plenty of money. My, my wife was driving a nice car. Uh, she lived in a nice house. My kids had everything that they needed, you know. So if I wanted to stay out until 2 o'clock in the morning, that's what I did. Yeah. I, I, you know, I worked hard all day. I, you know, I, I got up at 6 o'clock this morning. I, I went out, and I, you know, and I worked. You know, so that's what I did. I went to the bar, and I, you know, and and I stayed at the bar room, and and I and I, uh, you know, did cocaine and and did whatever I wanted to do because I was, you know, you were able to justify it for yeah, yourself. Yeah, I mean, and that, and and that's how I justified it. Exactly how I justified it. You know, mm-hmm. and at the time, I didn't think there was anything wrong with it, and uh, you know, that 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 got pretty old to my first wife and my second wife. You know, yeah, um, you, you know it. Uh, you know, it just, uh, it, I, I, I got to the point where, uh, you know, I, I couldn't come home anymore. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I just, uh, I, I couldn't, I couldn't, uh, I couldn't get off the bar stool. You know, I, I had to go to the bar. I, I needed to go there because I might be missing something. You know, yeah. not that it was my kids uh, was playing in a baseball game or a football game or or, or or any of that stuff. That stuff wasn't the important stuff to me. You know? Yeah, and eventually it catches up to you in your whole life, right? Mm. So your business part of your life or your job, you know that that takes a toll too when you do this. Yeah, my business, uh, my business took took a you know real toll, obviously, because uh, you know I wasn't as uh, you know. I wasn't wow. there as much as I should have been. Yeah. You know what I mean? I had other things that I needed to do. And, you know, I had the money to do what I wanted to do, so that's what I did. You know what yeah. I mean? What good is the money if you can't do what you wanted to do? Well, you know, that, that's really not how it works. And eventually, you know, in my case, in your case, the money runs out to a point where we, you know, exactly. we spend. I don't care if we got $10 or $10 million, right? right. We're going to spend the money not when you're stuck in addiction and, and you don't see that. And before you see it, you're stuck and it's too late until you make a change. And you made a change, you know, you started again from zero almost and your business, you know, you're sober five years and you're successful, you know, things, it's amazing the progress you can, you can have if you get sober, you know? Yeah, I mean, uh, when I, you know, when I finally ended up uh, getting sober, it was a lot of help through the courts. Um, You know, they had me on uh, drug testing. Um, and it was mainly because uh, of my uh, my ex-wife. I needed to, you yeah. know, I couldn't see my kids and stuff like that. And the courts told me, you, you know, you you need to pass a drug test. And uh, I was, you know, who are they to tell me that I have to pass a drug test? You know. But anyway, I went from nine. I went for nine months without seeing my kids. Uh, no contact. No uh, birthday cards. No anything. Yeah. And uh, after that, uh, I finally, uh, I finally. I finally did get sober with with help from the courts. I, I, sh- I should I should say, you know, I was in a um, was drug court. It was out of Plymouth, and uh, they uh, drug tested me, and I failed my drug test. And I knew that they were going to put me in jail. Yeah. You know, and uh, I failed it the next month, and I thought for sure they were going to put me in jail, and they didn't. But I knew yeah. that at that point. I, I was using, I, I tried to quit, I had been back and forth, um, you know, I had been come. I, I had been going to meetings, I had some sobriety, you know, all through, you know, since 02, 
Um, you know, I had a, but I, but I never could stay sober. I could get sober, you know, you know, I could get sober because I did it a million times. I just couldn't stay sober, you know. Yeah. But when the, when I finally um, realized that uh, everything that I was being told in meetings and, you know, with people that I would, uh, that were sober, uh, would tell me, um, you know, I always thought that I could do it my way. You know, I could do things myself. And when, it, when you had the willingness to change, Ronald, that's, I think that's what all of us, you know, having the willingness to listen mm. in the change. And it's not all about me. It's not all about you. You know, it's about, right. it's right. about, you know, it's about other people. You know, when we start to realize that there's other people and we're hurting here, there's other people involved. It's such a selfish disease. But in the last five years, with you getting sober, why don't you see, like, how, how great your life has got, you know? Yeah, well, uh, <clears throat> when I finally, uh, when I finally did get sober, um, you know, one day at a time was my, my big thing. I just did it for one day, just for today. Um, and then uh, it was probably, uh, it was about, um, well, my sobriety date was uh, January 4th. And uh, at the end of June, I got a phone call from my attorney. And... Uh, she said to me that uh, my ex-wife had reached out and that my son at the time wanted to see me. Uh, was really She was having a hard time with my son. He really wanted to see his dad. And she knew that uh, I had been doing the right thing. It's amazing. It's amazing how I haven't seen this woman, but she knew that yeah. I was doing the right thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? It, 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 it's amazing how, how much we affect other people. But uh, anyway, I started to see my son on a, uh, in, my, in my daughter, um, who are 11 and 12 now. Uh, I started to see them uh, on a regular basis uh, because I was sober. Um, and my whole life started to change um, one day at a time. It, it, was, it was incredible. Um, you know, my business got better. Um, I, uh, you know, material things started coming back. But the big thing was that... Uh, you know, I started to get a peace of mind. I started to start seeing clearly, yeah. and uh, you know, everything just started uh, started getting better for me. Yeah, it's, it's you know, I'm a first. I, I'm a firsthand. I know Ron. I see what what's happened to him. You know, from a guy that was barely could live in his shop. You know, barely keep it open, to have a nice, beautiful house on a lake in Plymouth, and have custody of his kids and a great business. It just just shows you if you can do this right thing. If you can do the right thing. No, it's not going to come back in a day. It's not going to come back two days. Well, you said a day at a time. Right. <clears throat> you got five years, and your life is so much better. And, 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 you, and you help people, and people see that you're doing well. Like you say, when things are going well, you don't have people don't have to. They know when things are well. You can look right. in a guy's eyes right. and say, you know what? This is, we're doing the right. This kid's doing the right thing. And you can look in a guy's eyes, and now like. A, and say he's doing the wrong thing. I, it's amazing <laughs> when you're in the addiction, you're so blind, and you think, oh yeah, you're good, you know. And I, and I see people now that are stuck and having struggling, and I say, man, you know, I wish they could get turned the corner, you know. And it's like to, yeah. talk about not being able to see the forest through the trees. I mean, that's yeah. that's exactly how it, you know is when you're when you're in the addiction. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you, you think that everything's uh, everything's fine. It's everybody else, you know. Yeah. I might not be much, but I'm all I think about. You know? Yeah. <laughs> when, I, when, I, when, I'm, when I'm in the addiction, you know, yeah. it's, it's crazy. Now uh, it's incredible how today um, I could be at my. Uh, uh, let's see. Monday night, I was at uh, my daughter's uh, my daughter's uh, gymnastics and cheerleading uh, gym with her uh, for for two hours. So we got to take a short break. When we sure. come back, can you stick with us another segment? Sure. 
Okay, we'll be right back on Crosscheck. You're listening to Crosscheck Radio with your host, Kevin Stevens. We'll be right back after these messages. Everybody wants to earn more money, right? Hi, I'm Kevin Chapman, and I'd like to earn more money, too. That's why I take advantage of the Bump Up CD specials at the City of Boston Credit Union. It's easy. If their rates go up, yours can, too. Check out all their current specials at cityofbostoncu.com. City of Boston Credit Union. Uniquely Boston. Funds federally insured by NCUA. Excess insurance by MSIC. Surrounded by 71 acres of peaceful woodlands, Sunspire Health Spring Hill is a residential addiction treatment center that allows you to clear your mind and reconnect with nature as you focus on your recovery on our open residential campus. At Spring Hill, we use a wide range of evidence-based treatment methods, including medication-assisted treatment and behavioral therapies to create a plan aimed at promoting long-term recovery. In addition to your clinical treatment plan, Take advantage of complimentary recovery activities in the surrounding outdoors and enjoy a comprehensive two-day educational family program, as well as the security of knowing your discharge will include a thorough, individualized plan that goes well beyond our care. Spring Hill offers patients evidence-based treatment for addiction and co-occurring mental health disorders at our facility in Ashby, Mass. If you or a loved one is in need of help, please call us today at 978-254-6668. That's 978-254-6668. Or visit us at sunspirehealth.com backslash spring dash up. An iced coffee is just a couple of bucks. What's the big deal? Well, if you think about it, two iced coffees a day for a whole year adds up to over $1,400. That's a big deal. Hi, I'm Kevin Chapman, and this is a financial tip brought to you by the City of Boston Credit Union. For more everyday financial tips, visit cityofbostoncu.com. City of Boston Credit Union, uniquely Boston. Federally insured by NCUA, member MSIC. Hi, this is Sam Quinones. I'm the author of the best-selling book, Dreamland, the true tale of America's opiate epidemic. You're listening to Crosscheck Radio with Kevin Stevens. Welcome back to Crosscheck. Mandy Bernstein with your host, Kevin Stevens, Willie Drinkwater. We're going to pick back up with our conversation with Ronnie Hayes. Yeah. Kev's buddy. Yeah. All good. So, uh, Ronald, it's um, probably the worst nightmare. Let's talk about a couple of years ago when uh, you got that call that your stepson had overdosed. And, you know, that's everybody's worst call in the world. You know, you never, ever, ever want that. But. Yeah, you know, was, you're, um, you, you were there, and I want you to kind of explain that whole situation, how that all fell. Well, you know, that's, that's uh, you know, part of addiction today, I guess. You know, unfortunately, that's, it's happening all the time. And, you know, uh, <clears throat> I was dreading to getting that call. I was at my, uh, my uh, youngest son's uh, football uh, game down in the Cape, and uh, saw my ex-wife uh, start crying. Came over to me. I knew something was wrong. She said, the pol- "She said that the the, the uh, police had called and wanted to see her right away." And she knew, she knew, she knew right yeah. away. When when you know when you when you uh, when you're around addiction and you see it, uh, somebody in your family uh, is inflicted with it. Um, you know, it affects the whole family and everybody knows. You know, I think my youngest 
my younger kids uh, even knew something was wrong uh, yeah. with Chris because, you know, it, it was, it, it, you know, when somebody's in addiction in your family, it's, it's right there. It's, it, it's yeah. in the, it, you know, it, it, everybody's aware of it all the time. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? And uh, anyways, that was, uh, that was a tough time. That was, yeah. that was a real tough time because he was a great kid and uh, he just got, you know, tied up uh, with uh, drugs, and once it uh, it swallowed him, you yeah. know, it swallowed him, and there was no way out, you know. Yeah, and it's 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 yeah. like it was sad. It's a sad story because he was clean and so he was trying to get sober, right. and he tried to do it that like we all say that one, one more time, time right? right? And one more time, we try to tell everybody that one more yeah. time, it can be the last time because you know we no one thing. Chris didn't think it was going to be him. My right. friends, none of our friends think it's going to be them that, that exactly. this happens to. But. I mean, when I was out there yeah. and, and, and you, I mean, how yeah, many times? Yeah. Could, well, the, the fact that we're sitting here today is a miracle. <laughs> I, I, I mean, <laughs> you know, it, it really, I, I mean, it, it is because oh. how many times, I mean, oh. I remember, you know, it was, when was the last time you slept, Ronnie? You yeah. know, people say to me, well, I think I'm on nine days now. Yeah. You know, I mean, nine days without... Yeah. laying down or uh, you know sleeping i mean it's kind of, i mean yeah. how do you do that yeah, it's crazy and, you and, know and what i mean and, and the things you do while you're yeah. while you're you know while you're high I mean. and, and the thing the thing like it's kind of like um what you've seen you've seen addiction in your family you've seen chris you've seen that happen but then you were in addiction you you know and you're trying to help him and right. when you were in it you were blind to it so it's kind exactly. of like you know you understand a lot Not, of people uh, right. don't understand right. you know the addiction part when mm. when you're both still and you're stuck, you know, right. and it's uh, and it's scary and it's yeah, sad. I mean, and, and trying to help somebody that you know yeah. that 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 you love uh, oh, yeah. like that, and mm. uh, you know, it, it, it's crazy. I mean, bringing them to rehabs and you know, getting a phone call two days later, I'm all set, come and get me. <laughs> no, yeah. you're not all set. That's not how it works. Yeah. You need to, you know, you need to follow the program. Oh, I'm going on the Vivitrol shot. Uh, I've got a plan. Yeah. Of, you know, we all have got a plan. Just yeah. get me out of here. You know yeah. what I mean? We, yeah. we, we don't know what we don't know. That's the yeah. bottom line, you know. How did you two guys meet? Well, we you met. can tell that, Jeff. Yeah, I don't know. We met a long, we met, how many years ago was it, Ron? Mm. 20 years, maybe? 50? Yeah? yeah, yeah, anyway, well, yeah, probably... Probably something like that. Yeah, we met when we were kind of like you know we. Ronnie's got sober before me. He's always tried to help me. You know, a guy that was always yeah. there for me whenever I was ready to kind of make that move. And that's, I think that's the biggest thing about, you know, this addiction thing. There's always someone to help you, but you got to be willing to help yourself, right? He said, you know, when you're ready, yeah. I'll help you. I'll help you do anything you want. He helped me get sober. He picked me up in the early days of my you know sobriety when I was trying to get sober. It's very important in my sobriety because. You know, to have a friend that I could call and have a friend that can come pick me up and hang out at his house and right. kill a day. Because one day to us, right. sometimes, is, oh. you know, that's a long time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Especially I mean, if you're yeah. by yourself and you're sitting there kind of, you know. Yeah. But, you know, he really stepped up to the plate for me. Big part of my sobriety. He's a good friend of mine. I love him like a brother. But and he's always been there for me anytime I need him. So, mm. you know, it's been, it's, been, it's been a great experience. And we kind of hit it off i don't know how we hit it off we just kind of hit it off right yeah away. you know yes, you have yes. some loyal friends you have some very loyal yeah. friends cav you know the yeah. people's the people's choice polly yeah Polly's. Yeah, well Polly. you, you you know you talk to a lot of people and they say oh yeah you know i know kevin i know kevin you know and and you know the the biggest thing i i, I think of is um you know when i think of kevin if i could have anything kevin anything kevin has or ever had it would be his hot not not his Stanley Cup rings, not none of that stuff. Right. You know, it would be his heart. 
He's the nicest guy. And he, anybody right. you talk to he's will tell right. you he's the nicest guy yeah, ever wanted to meet. And, you know, <laughs> and it's crazy. It's like, you know, how can this guy be so nice? You know? <laughs> right. He keeps it, it right. And you, you're very loyal uh, to your friends, too, yeah, though. He is. Oh, yeah, he is good. It's, yeah. it's all good. We're all uh, oh, yeah. had a good point in our lives now, which is the best right. thing, you know. Yeah. So, Ronnie, thank you for coming on. Yeah. Well, it was my pleasure. Sharing your story. Yeah. Good stuff, Ron. And we're going to welcome our next guest, which is the favorite time of the week. <laughs> Hi ho. It's Maria Maria. Get away. Do you know what that music means? It's time for Dear Maria. Maria Omer with Delphi Behavioral Health Group and Serenity at Summit. Hello, my friend. Hi. How's it going today? We are wonderful. You're on with Kevin, Willie, and Ronnie. Hi, Maria. How are you? Good, guys. How are, how's it going? Hi, Maria. We're good. And Ronnie is in. He's sitting in with us. Ronnie's a friend of Kevin. So, so here's our question of the week for you. What are your thoughts about having Narcan in the home? Do you feel this is essential? It's absolutely essential. We're dealing with a crisis that's hitting almost every home in some aspect. Mm -hmm. And to have Narcan is like the, the antidote to be able to help someone get a second chance. Um, there's some precautions and there's some concerns uh, clinically and just psychosocially, how does that get managed and how does the family manage that? But we're literally out of our residential programs and detox programs, we're sending patients out with scripts so that mm -hmm. they know they have that in their pocket. Uh, because there, it comes a point when we look at kind of harm reduction. We're looking to save lives, whatever that takes. So for most families, they should have on hand one go to a training on how to use Narcan. There's mm -hmm. two different kinds, nasal and uh, IM injectable. And most communities now have this offered. Some can even access it for free. But you can actually purchase naloxone over-the-counter at most drugstores. And if you have any difficulty, you can always have a script written by your doctor or by your family member's provider. Mm -hmm. uh, so each person should be armed with it because it's really what can save a life. Ronnie Ronnie is actually shaking, nodding his head here. <laughs> He's stuck around with us. Ronnie, tell yeah. us about your experience. Yeah, how you doing? Um, I have uh, I have I happen to have two shots of Narcan in my car. Um, I ended up getting it because of my stepson because he was living with us and he was active at the time. Unfortunately, I wasn't there and I couldn't save him um, a couple of years ago when he passed, but um, I think it's a, a good idea to have it in the car, and I know that I always have it there uh, in case I ever need it. So I, I think it's great that everybody should have it. I think it's important for the families to, you know, to really kind of accept that, they, they, you know, some of the, their sons or their daughter or someone has a problem because it's kind of like the stigma. It's not going to be my son, right? It's not going to be my daughter, so I'm not, I don't need this stuff. And mm -hmm. I, I think it's a bit better to be, like you said, proactive before it's, you know, it's too late. Yeah, I think it takes a while for people to accept the fact that yeah. their family is inflected with what's going on. I always have it in my truck, and I and I also have it in my office too, because of the field that I'm working in, obviously, and stuff too. But when the, when the whole issue first came out, and I was on the consumer advisory board at BSAS, you know, there, there was this public, well, you're enabling them, and this and that, you know, if you if you have it. So there, there was a pro group and an anti group. But the bottom line, when it when it came around to me, as I said, well, the only thing I know for sure is you can't help a human being with an opiate addiction if they're dead. Right. So, what do you think about that, Maria? Yeah, I mean, really, you hit it 
you read my mind. There, there are you know pros and cons, obviously. But if you can save a life, mm-hmm. then it's worth having in possession. We even have our drivers have it in their vehicles mm-hmm. because you never know when you might be encountering someone who is in, at risk of potential overdose. And and I, I hear it. I, I myself had a toss around. You know, how do I feel personally about um, arming each person, each opioid dependent individual with this tool? Uh, and then I remember, it's a tool. It's a tool for recovery. Right. So if that means that that gets a person to where they need to get to next for their recovery to start, then that's what we absolutely need to do. As I always say, it's everything in the kitchen sink. Whatever we need to do to, to get this under control. Right. What What do you think about the addict having the Narcan and kind of using it to their benefit? You know what I'm saying? Just say, you know, I can do what I want, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, there's. You know, with anything, with any kind of helpful tool, medication, or prescription of any kind, of course, as we know, it can be abused. Mm -hmm. Um, And and it's really just education on it. It's understanding what it's meant to do. Um, You you don't get nine lives, and and that's certainly not what this is about. So I think that stigma has to be addressed and demystified. But I I can understand um, the community needs to be educated at large about how this can save lives and help redirect someone to get them on the path to recovery. We've got to start somewhere. And of course, there's going to be you know potential for abuse. But if we really start to make this more available and accessible for any family member to have, as well as for the individual themselves, then we're we're hopefully helping at least one life today. I hope that answers your question. Um, if you want to ask us a question, definitely visit our website at powerforward25.com. Contact us page, and we may read your question on the air. Thank you, my friend. Thank you, Maria. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Maria. We'll talk to you next week. We'll be right back on Crosscheck. You're listening to Crosscheck Radio with your host, Kevin Stevens. We'll be right back after these messages. Big thing that we have to offer is a ton of our staff are also in long-term recovery. Um, And the first thing that we look at is making sure that that individual comes in, feels like they're a person, that we're going to take care of them, and that we're there for them. Individualized treatment, we try and help people find a way to live a life that's drug-free a day at a time. When you're with us, you're going to get a master's clinician who is well-experienced, well-versed in addiction. You're also going to get a case manager who's going to help you basically with everything that you've missed in life due to addiction. You're going to have tons of peer support every day, but when you leave, you're a part of the Recovering Champions family. If you're looking for help to get into treatment and you'd like to use Recovering Champions and our knowledge of the system and how to access it, you can reach us a couple different ways. You can always call our toll-free number, which is 844 888-5391, 844-888-5391. The other place you can find us is on the web, recoveringchampions.com. LifeSkills South Florida is a 26-year-old primary psychiatric facility located in beautiful Deerfield Beach, Florida. We treat mental health conditions and substance use disorders for men and women ages 18 and older by using a holistic approach to treatment. This is done by incorporating elements of mindfulness, meditation, and integrated primary care, which offers individuals the opportunity for complete recovery. Treatment at Life Skills focuses not just on the persisting problems, but targets the underlying disorders that contribute to them in a healing environment. Our program goes above and beyond to empower the individuals during their recovery. For more information about our facilities, please call our Northeast Clinical Outreach Director, Melissa Westerman at 603-540-6288. That's 603-540-6288. 
Also, visit our website at lifeskillssouthflorida.com for more info. Hey, this is Sam Mettler, the creator of A&E's Intervention. You're listening to Crosscheck Substance Abuse Radio. Welcome back to Crosscheck Radio. I'm Andy Bernstein here with our host, Kevin Stevens, Willie Drinkwater, and Ronnie Hayes is sitting in with us. And uh, great show, guys, huh? Great guests. Yeah, it was a a rocking day. Yeah. So Ken and his uh, his story is pretty interesting and talking about diet. Yeah, I think it's important. I think Ken was really important because I think, um, you know, as we all know, we all beat ourselves up up there when we're out using drugs and abusing drugs. And, you know, it's very important to get, you know, eat three healthy meals, eat three meals a day, get to the gym, start to feel better about yourself. I think think that's the biggest thing. And and what he does, he, he works with, a lot of different people in addiction like you know so there's there's groups you know you you go running there's there's 30 people with you that are doing the same thing you're doing trying to stay sober so yeah. it's almost like going to a meeting or exercising you're kind of putting it all into one thing and i think for all of us that are in recovery that it, it makes us feel much better when we get to the gym or we can yeah. do a little we can eat right and you know you wake up the next day and it makes it a little bit easier when you're not doing that stuff it's difficult because, you know, your ups and downs and kind of like, you know, we all, we're all trying to find that even keel where we get there. And um, obviously with Ronnie here, too, coming on today, he, uh, he has a great message because he's got a great story. Because, you know, the ups and downs of, of using drugs and abusing drugs to sobriety, where it can bring you. You know, I think it's so important that we, we realize that, you know, we all can get out of this thing. It's one day at a time, you know, and it. Things will come back slowly. It doesn't have to come. Nothing's going to jump at you right away. But it's so important that we take one day at a time. And our life can get better. Our lives can come back together. Our lives can, people come back in our lives. So that was, a, that's an important message to say that, you know, we can, you can, anybody can do this if you're willing to. And you're willing to change and you're willing to accept help. Again, I think it's important when you come out of the detox, you, you, you go to your primary care and, and, and have a complete physical with blood work done so you have a baseline to go from. Also to tell if you're okay to start exercise too. And the other thing is while you're at, at the primary care, ask them for a referral to a nutritionist because the old timers, you, you are what you eat. You know? Right. So I think it's important. I had a heart attack back in December and uh, they told me I had to quit smoking. And uh, I did. I quit smoking and I was, I, I was pretty heavy. Uh, after a few months how'd you do it you know and i've lost 30 pounds in the last you know four months now Mm. but uh basically uh eating protein bars instead of sugar and fruit and and things like that and uh, you know uh, i did it basically the same way i do my sobriety one day at a time i mean you know one thing at a time i mean uh, and and not my biggest thing was to not not eat you know eat, eat something you know but not eat a lot something know. healthy yeah well you know eat something healthy and you know uh, avoid being hangry yeah exactly. it's not good for us to, to <laughs> exactly. be hungry angry, <laughs> are your mouth hungry or stomach hungry yeah. that's yeah. my wife always right. yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> and then of course we had maria talking about narcan and i think yeah. everybody around the room thinks the same thing that it's an essential thing to have yeah i think it's yeah it's it's huge to have you know it's just I mean, you can't help somebody. Yeah, like 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 yeah. Willie said, if you he's carry dead, it, someone's dead. There's no way, no way we can help them. So it's like really important that people have that and they use it and they find you know they they educate themselves with it. And it's yeah. easy to get. Yeah, yeah, very easy now. Yeah, yeah. yeah but, I, I took a class uh, way back when, and yeah, it's like one to three hours or something. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. it wasn't a big deal, and uh, yeah, yeah, it was, and it saves a life. 
uh, life, yeah. right? I yeah, mean, and oftentimes, you know, oftentimes people, they, they get blown out of an overdose once or twice. Well, they, they start thinking, hey, do I really want to keep doing this? Yeah, and well, you right. know, you talk about Narcan. I, you know, I've talked to some of the cops. They save eight or nine out of ten people. So, yeah. they, you know, if this Narcan yeah. wasn't around, you know, there'd be a lot, lot more tragedies and there'd be a lot more oh, people. Yeah. yeah, this saves, this, this helps. Yeah. Well, thank you, gentlemen. Thanks thank to you. pleasure always. Thank you. Thanks to Maria. And if you want to learn more about us at Crosscheck and Power Forward, please visit our website at powerforward25.com. And also be sure to check us out on Facebook and take us out with a, a quick message. Well, one day at a time. That's like we say, you know, we got today. We'll worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. So just um, it's all kinds of help, all kinds of hope. Just going to keep it one day at a time. Catch you next week, everybody, on Crosscheck. You have been listening to Crosscheck Radio with your host, two-time Stanley Cup winner Kevin Stevens. Join Kevin and his team each Saturday and Sunday as we try to remove the mask of addiction. If you or a loved one is suffering with substance use disorder, please call the Mass Substance Abuse Hotline at 1-800-327-5050. That's 1-800-327-5050. Or visit us at powerforward25.com for more information.